Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, April 21st. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. Here are today's headlines. President Trump threatens to stop all immigration into the United States amid the coronavirus pandemic, raising several new questions. Plus, back to business, some states loosening restrictions as other states cancel activities and count thousands of positive cases every day. And antibody testing has been touted as essential to get Americans back to work. But how effective is it? We speak with an expert. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. Hello and welcome to You News for Tuesday, April 21st. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. We begin today with a dramatic Twitter announcement from President Trump. Overnight, the president tweeting plans to shut down the legal immigration system in the country. This with the intention of protecting American jobs. Let's go to Janet Rodriguez. She's in Washington, D.C. with the details. Janet, do we know uh, so far what this order is about? We do not, Lorraine, because we do not have an order after that dramatic tweet, as you called it, that hasn't materialized into that executive action that the president said he would sign. He will sign it. We do not know when the White House this morning not giving a time frame for that. And many critics of the president now saying that this is simply a distraction from other controversies regarding the pandemic, like the testings and the lack thereof, and just at the expense of many immigrants. And the big question is, what will change? What will this executive action do? Because the borders with Canada, with Mexico, are now closed. The consular officers throughout the world are not issuing visas. And basically, travel, air travel has come to a stop. Uh, So it is very hard to immigrate into the U.S. at this moment. So we do not exactly know what this executive order will do. But the White House did put out a statement, and I read in part, they say that the president is committed to protecting the health and economic well-being of Americans as we face unprecedented times and decades of record immigration have produced higher wages rather lower wages and higher unemployment for our citizens, especially for African-Americans and Latino workers. And this is the time to act. Of course, we have already heard from immigrant activists threatening to, to sue the White House administration, the White House and the Trump administration once they put out the executive order. And we have also heard from some more conservative um, outlets and organizations that are saying that this is the wrong approach and simply is an erred uh, under the current circumstances is not the right approach. So many criticism, and yet there is no executive order at this moment. And Janet, even though we don't have so many details, are there any exceptions? We've heard reports that farm workers might be excluded. Yeah, what we do here at this time from those trying to work on this executive order is that temporary farm workers that do come to the U.S. for a limited period would be excluded. Also, healthcare workers that are trying to come to the country to help with the pandemic, they would also be included. But again, we do have to wait for the final text. Thank you, Janet Rodriguez in Washington, D.C., with that report. And with me now, immigration attorney Charles Cook. Thanks for joining us, Charles. 
What do you uh, make of President Trump's announcement? Is this any different than what's already in place now with travel restrictions and USCIS offices being closed? Now, this announcement itself really makes no difference at all as it pertains to immigration outside the United States. The president's authority to issue an order like this is actually limited in the context of which he can do it. Uh, the way the law is written, he can bar the entry of people into the United States, but that does not affect those that are already in the United States. So people who are changing their status, who are obtaining visa statuses in the U.S., who are applying for green cards, who are submitting marriage cases, all those cases will continue regardless of what happens with this executive order. And as noted previously, the consulates are currently closed anyway. So very few of them would be entering, uh, issuing visas at this time. I, I think what this is really about is about politics rather than about immigration. Uh, Charles, the order apparently applies to green cards and work visas, uh, not on people entering the country illegally. What impact will this have on people already in the United States and for people waiting outside of the U.S.? For those already in the United States, this order should be meaningless to them. It is, of course, designed to cause panic. It's designed to cause fear. Uh, that's why they issue orders like this. But it really will have no impact on them. On those that are outside the U.S. waiting in the line, waiting for their interviews, uh, it will simply impact their, their ability to go to the consulate when the consulate reopens. Uh, the reality is there will be litigation on this. Uh, and President Trump's going to lose. Charles, I can imagine your phone must be ringing off the hook today. What has been the most persistent question from your clients so far? Well, there have been two questions. One is, how does this impact me here in the United States? And the other is, how am I going to get my wife here? How am I going to get my husband here? There are literally every year a half a million people who immigrate to the United States through their spouses or through their children. And all of them are related directly to U.S. citizens. I'm pretty sure that U.S. citizens will not take this laying down. Well, thank you so much, immigration attorney Charles Cook, for your time and your input on this matter. Thank you. And a vote could, could, could soon come today on a potential $500 billion stimulus deal. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says the agreement would help support small businesses still reeling from the nationwide lockdowns. It would also include aid for hospitals and funds for additional nationwide testing. And it will soon be life back to normal in many states that are allowing businesses to reopen amid the coronavirus pandemic. Some of those states are not even reporting a 14-day decline in cases, one of President Trump's guidelines in order to reopen. Now the question is, will the risk these governors are taking outweigh the benefits? Despite the growing number of coronavirus cases and deaths, parts of the country are making plans to get back to work. In South Carolina, some retail businesses now open with social distancing limits. We still encourage people to use curbside pickup and delivery and shipping so we can all stay home and get out of this sooner. We're excited about the future. The state's governor announcing he'd allow public beaches to open back up today, but the city of Myrtle Beach defined that decision. My biggest concerns would be that if we don't do everything possible to mitigate this virus now, 
that we could potentially hurt ourselves later in the summer, which is our peak tourism season. Tennessee announcing the vast majority of businesses will reopen May 1st. And in Georgia, one of the lowest testing states and where there have been nearly 20,000 cases of COVID-19 and nearly 800 deaths, Governor Brian Kemp, who initially resisted calls to shut down, declaring that on Friday, places like barbershops, hair and nail salons, bowling alleys and gyms are allowed to reopen. And by Monday, restaurants and theaters will be back in business too. By taking this measured action, we will get Georgians back to work safely. But the mayor of Atlanta blasting the governor's decision. I certainly cannot in good conscience say that I agree with his order and I will continue to use my voice as mayor of Atlanta to ask people to continue to stay home, follow the science and exercise common sense. Meanwhile, other states like California will continue to hunker down. With more than 30,000 cases confirmed, Governor Gavin Newsom saying they're not seeing the downward trend needed to reopen. Deaths continue to rise, hospitalization numbers modestly continue to rise, and ICU numbers beginning to flatten. In Hardhead, New York City, the mayor canceling all non-essential events through June, including iconic celebrations like the Puerto Rican Day Parade and the Pride March. We have to be smart about it. We have to also recognize when thousands and thousands of people gather in one place, of course that goes against everything we're trying to do. The numbers dropping, but the city still seeing more than a thousand new cases per day. In cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, and Boston, leaders are still bracing for their toughest days. And experts say the U.S. will have to be able to perform millions of coronavirus tests each week before restrictions can be safely lifted. That's according to economists and public health authorities and two different plans for reopening society. A report from the Rockefeller Foundation calls for 3 to 30 million tests a week, the other report from Harvard's Center for Ethics says the country will need to do 20 million tests a day to get a handle on the pandemic. Both proposals cast doubt on America's readiness to relax social distancing measures. A new Washington Post University of Maryland poll is shedding light about how Americans feel about lifting social restrictions. When asked about holding a gathering of more than 10 people, just 10% of those surveyed said it would be safe by the end of April or earlier. 65% say it may take until June or later for people to safely gather. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has authorized the first at-home coronavirus test. It's called Pixel by LabCorp. It allows patients to collect nasal swab samples at home and mail them in for results. According to the FDA, LabCorp will make the test available in most states in the coming weeks. People will need to have a doctor's order to be able to get the at-home test kit. LabCorp says the kits will initially be made available to healthcare workers and first responders. Experts are pressing for more coronavirus testing before the country reopens, but there are so many different tests being mentioned, you could easily get confused about different options. Pedro Rojas spoke with an expert to make sense of it all. What is the most effective way to determine if you have contracted the coronavirus? That is the question we're aiming to find out. We talked with medical pathologist Rosemary Recabarren in West Laco, Texas. She heads up a laboratory here that analyzes test results from across South Texas. Here is what she has learned. 
Our preference at the moment is obtain a test sample taken from inside the nasal and oral cavity. This is the kind of test used at public testing sites. A specimen is collected with special lone swabs that have cottons on the ends. But if a patient is hospitalized with symptoms and tests negative, Dr. Recabarren describes how another test can be performed. It is called a bronchial wash. It is a test that involves aerosols, so medical personnel have to be careful. At the same time, there is also a blood test that can be used to determine if a patient is carrying antibodies to the coronavirus. But Dr. Recabarren warns this type of testing produces results that can always be trusted. If this test comes back negative, it could be one or two things, that the patient has not been exposed to the coronavirus or that the patient is infected and it is too early for the body to have made antibodies to combat the illness. As a result, for Dr. Recabarren, this test known as PCR test is still the most reliable to detect the presence of the coronavirus. Look at the size of the swab. It could have polyester or another material on the end, and it is inserted into the nose until it reaches the patient's throat. Unfortunately, it has to be held in place for a few seconds before removing. It is just not in and out. With each passing day, the doctor says that more patients are getting access to tests, and she hopes the amount of tests available to the public will continue to increase exponentially. For now, Dr. Recabarren says that the coronavirus has shown itself to be more capable of hiding its presence, especially among people who are asymptomatic. In Hueslaco, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. EW Medicine, the largest healthcare service in the Seattle area, is starting wide-scale processing of coronavirus antibody testing. The blood test is designed to check for signs of past infection in a patient. EW Medicine is only offering the test on the order of a doctor. In Los Angeles, the actual number of people who've been infected with COVID-19 may be up 55 times higher than the number of confirmed cases. Researchers at USC tested nearly 900 people for antibodies. Their results estimate many, as many as 442,000 people in the county have been infected with the virus as of April 9th. For more on testing, let's go to Dr. Carlos Ergillo. He's an infectious disease expert at Emory University. Thanks for joining us, doctor. Antibody Happy testing. To be with you. Thank you. Antibody testing could be key to getting people back to work, but it's, it's still controversial since scientists don't yet know how effective they are. Why are some scientists are still on the fence about this type of test? Well, because there is a variety of antibody tests. Not all antibody tests are created equal. And I, and I think when you say antibody test, the question is antibodies to which protein? What antibody are you talking about? And some may be more sensitive than others. And therefore, we really need to understand exactly which tests are you talking about. But they are going to be critical in knowing the extent of the disease. And they're going to be critical in knowing who has been exposed, who has been infected, and who hasn't. Doctor, even with these questions still unanswered, many states are moving forward with this testing. Is that a good strategy? I think it is. I think we need to, to expand testing in, in different ways. And one of the important ways is to do the serological testing like the one you described in Los Angeles, because that kind of testing will allow us to know 
what percentage of the population truly has been infected and really allow us to get a denominator. And I think this does two things. Number one, knows who's been infected. But number two, we're going to also see that the mortality from the disease is actually is going to come down, right? Because as we find more people infected, then the number of deaths actually, uh, you know, the denominator gets to be larger and therefore the, the case fatality is going to be lower. Doctor, how exactly does antibody testing work? What are doctors looking for? You're looking for the presence, you know, after there's an infection like this one, your body develops proteins that are called antibodies in response to that infection. And those initially are the type IgM happen early in the infection, and then IgMs go down and your body develops IgGs, and it's the IgG antibodies that stay in there as a marker that you've been infected. It's almost like an immunological uh, fingerprint. And what you do in this test is you're measuring for the presence of those antibodies, and therefore you can say somebody is positive or is negative. And besides knowing who has had COVID-19, what other things public health officials can learn from this type of test? Well, if you use certain tests, and you use certain tests that are going to be directed to a specific part of the protein, they may be able to be used in the future to predict who's actually immune, who actually has developed immunity against the virus. And Dr. President Trump has touted the malaria drug hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID patients. The first large-scale study is underway. What do you know so far about the efficacy of this drug? What I know is so far and what I've read is that it really has no efficacy. So we need to wait for well-conducted randomized trials in order to make final recommendations. But at this point in time, based on what I know, I would not recommend this drug. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Carlos del Rio from Emory University for your time and your input. We appreciate your time. Happy to be with you. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Colombia has extended its social distancing measures until at least May 11 to prevent the spread of coronavirus. President Ivan Duque said there would be no inbound or outbound international flights in Colombia until at least the end of May. The exception, he says, will be fright or humanitarian flights. Colombia is nearing 4,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus and has 189 reported deaths. Nicaragua students went back to public schools and universities Monday after their Holy Week break. The Central American country has not implemented social distancing measures such as closing schools amid the coronavirus pandemic. Many students who went back to school were not wearing protective gear such as gloves and masks. The United Nations High Commission of Human Rights has expressed concerns over Nicaragua's lack of social distancing measures, lack of information transparency, the impossibility of confirming case numbers, and the scarcity of coronavirus testing. 
Meanwhile, neighboring El Salvador is rolling out mobile testing sites for its residents. Those sites include the ability to test people in public locations. A decontamination process cleans the testing station before the next examination is given. El Salvador currently has at least 225 coronavirus cases, with seven deaths being reported. One of Spain's most iconic annual events won't take place this year. The city of Pamplona has officially canceled the San Fermín Festival, more popularly known as Running of the Bulls. The country is struggling to combat the spread of the deadly virus that has infected more than 204,000 people and killed over 21,000. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.